The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wesley Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. So we are in the Gospel of John. So have your Bibles, turn into the Gospel of John chapter 1. This morning, we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. I said that to the guys on Friday. They laughed at me as though I would never be able to get that accomplished. But we will. So these last weeks, we finished up uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, which are this introductory section to the gospel of John. And in this introductory section, there are just kind of a couple things I I want us to remember, think about, uh, is that uh, the things that are in these first 18 verses are the very things that John gives fuller information and reveals more fully through the rest of the letter. And then the other thing that I've said multiple times is that I see verses uh, 1 through 18 as heaven's testimony of Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, was Creator God, uh, was life, was light, has come in the flesh to fulfill God's purposes for humanity. And then what we see is, so this is like heaven's testimony, and now what we're doing is moving into this main section of the Gospel of John, which starts in verse 19 and runs all the way through chapter 12. And this main section of his letter, for me, is this testimony that is the earthly testimony of Jesus. So we know that when he starts, you know, you just start out, John started out with, in the beginning, God was, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and it's almost like mic drop. Bam, that's what you need to know. But... It is so good when we really think about it that now, now he's taken and he's really slowing down and he's just revealing these truths that he just told us. He's just revealing them further that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And he says that in you know the purpose of his letter in chapter 20, uh, verse 31 was, I'm writing... I'm writing all this so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. And so he starts this testimony, this earthly testimony, and when he starts, he starts with John the Baptist. And the reason he starts with John the Baptist is because that's where God started. He started the earthly testimony of Jesus with John the Baptist because God started His earthly testimony with Jesus with John the Baptist. And we recall that we, uh, in verse 6, it says, behold, uh, or let me just read it. It says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning Jesus. And so we remember that here is this, uh, this prophecy from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, that God would send a messenger to prepare his way. We know from uh, the angel of the Lord to Zechariah that, that this messenger was preparing the way was John. And so we get to see how that uh, 
John is just starting where he should start. Start at square one. It all starts with John the Baptist. And verse 19 says this. Now this was John's testimony. Starts with John. Now this is John's testimony. Matter of fact, it's kind of specific. It says, well, this is John's testimony when the religious leaders came from Jerusalem to ask of him, who are you? In verse 20, he says, he did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, well, then are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Now, last week also, we looked in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and we learned that it says that the people from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, they came out to John confessing their sins and they were baptized in the river Jordan. And I made comment, this was not a small group of people that came out into the desert to see John. It definitely, and all these people going out, definitely got the attention of the religious leaders because here's a reality for them. Hey, the religious center of life, everything that revolves around it, it's in Jerusalem. And it has something to do with us. So it's almost like, what are you doing going out in the desert to see this guy? The religious center and all the activities, they need to happen here. And so, the religious leaders were prompted then, they go out to send representatives. It's almost like, uh, what are all these people going out there for? You know, if, if, if we have a part of it in Jerusalem as a religious center, I mean, if you're really going to have anything to do with God, draw near to God, get right with God, offer sacrifices, offer offerings, that's done in the temple, that's done in Jerusalem... And we have a part in that. That's what we do. So they send these out. And we're going to learn that they had some motives in there and some attitudes about it. So they go out, and it's interesting to me that the first thing that happens when they show up is John goes, I'm not the Messiah. Now, it doesn't say specifically. They could have very well asked the first thing that they went out to do is said, hey, are you the Messiah? And he goes, yeah, no, I'm not. Or he could have just seen him and known what they're, and he's just going, hey, just let me clear the air. I'm not the Messiah. I don't know. But he said, I'm not that one. I'm not the one that God had promised to redeem his people, to deliver his people, and bring in the everlasting kingdom. I'm not him. And so they said, okay, well then, are you Elijah? Then he said, I'm not. And the reason for the question is, is that when we talk through Malachi, you know that in chapter 3, verse 1, that God was going to send a messenger uh, ahead of him to prepare the way for him. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 5, it says very specifically, God speaking through the prophet Malachi says this to the people, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So the Jews were looking for the Messiah, and John goes, I'm not him. They're looking for Elijah. He goes, yeah, I'm not him. And that idea of that is, is that they're knowing that at some point God's going to fulfill what he promised. He's going to bring judgment to the nations. He's going to bring in the kingdom. There's going to be this dreadful day before the Lord comes, and Elijah's going to come before that. So are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not. I'm not that Elijah. 
that Elijah who was taken up alive into heaven. Remember the story when Elijah and Elisha, they're walking along and all of a sudden a fiery chariot out of heaven comes down and grabs a hold of Elijah and takes him up into heaven. And there are many believe that Elijah, that Elijah, that Elijah in the flesh, so to speak, is going to come back to earth. And some believe that that's going to happen in Revelation chapter 11, where there's the two witnesses. Who are the two men that had never died that we know of for sure? Enoch and Elijah, who knows if that's going to be the ones that come or not. But Jesus, oh, well, let me just back up. He said, he said, basically, yeah, I'm not that Elijah. But let's ask the question, is he the one who comes in the spirit and power of Elijah, that the angel of the Lord told Zechariah, his father, the priest, before he's born, would be, and that Jesus really qualified that John is Elijah. If you can believe it, then John is Elijah. But John is going, yeah, I'm not the Elijah that you're thinking about. Keep that locked in. So they, then they asked him and said, well, are you the prophet? And he said, no. And this idea taken out of Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 18, that Moses was speaking to the children of Israel, and he says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Are you that prophet? And he said, no. And so finally they go, okay, well, you're not Messiah, you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet, well then, we just need to know who you are. You know, give us an answer so that we can take it back to those that sent us. And so John replies, and I love this, it says how John the writer uh, says that John the Baptist replied, says that John replied in the words of Elijah the prophet. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And to me, it's almost, I, I, you know, I pick up a lot of stuff, and I could be right, I could be wrong, but it's almost like to me, he's going, okay, <laughs> you really should know who I am. You, you, you were looking for Messiah. You were looking for Elijah. You were looking for the prophet and you have no idea who I am, hello, hello, Isaiah the prophet said that there would be one that would come in the wilderness, crying out, making a way for the Lord. You should know who I am. It, to me, is I get that. And so he's moving on, and he's saying, um, I am him. If you want to know who I am, I'm him. I'm the voice of him who is crying in the wilderness, making the way straight for the Lord. I, now, I can... I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, about these guys, that 
here, here they're coming out to him. They're thinking, what are you doing going to him? You should be coming to us. We see that contention all the way through. As, Jesus, as John's popularity grew, they were jealous. As Jesus' popularity grew, they were jealous. As Paul's popularity grew, they were jealous. As Peter's popularity grew, they were jealous. As Philip's popula- popularity grew, they were jealous of, G- of, of him, of Philip. So they're just, whoa, whoa, wait, this is all about us. You, you're, you're the guy? You're the guy, you're the voice called, God called you? Whoa, wait. I mean, if God's going to call anybody, he's going to call one of us. This is what I'm thinking. You know, they're going through and they're just, so they're, they're pressing on him. And they ask him further. Oh, well, well, let me back up. He says, this idea of when he says, look, I am the voice of the one called in the wilderness, it has the idea, I'm the one that God has called, I'm in the wilderness, I'm crying this out, I am the one that is to lead you to the Messiah. God's called me to point the way to him. Now I'm just thinking, all of that, they're just thinking, yeah, no, huh? I'm not buying that. Just, you're just some guy out, look at how you're dressed, I mean, there's no way. And so, the, so then the Pharisees who had been sent, they just kind of questioned him and pressed him a little bit further on this. And I think they're kind of getting to the point of why they're showing up. He said, they said to him, he says, well, if you're not any of them guys, then why are you baptizing these people? Now, these people are the Jews. Keep that in mind. It's almost like, who in the world do you think you are? I mean, you're not one of us. We're the people that do that. We are scribes, Pharisees. We're the ones. We're the priests. We do that. Who are you to be out here baptizing the people? Who do you think you are? Who gave you permission? And so we need to think this through because what John was doing and what I think irritated the Jews was that the ceremony of baptism that they that John was performing that's what that's what they did that was that was their position to do that to baptize and the second thing is is that baptism was for the gentile baptism was for the gentile not for the Jew you know those dirty rotten no good Sinners, Gentiles, that's who baptism is for. They're the ones who are defiled. They're the ones who needed cleaning. And so to put the Jews in the same class was, I think, was insulting. And we hear all the way through the gospel, you see it, they're, they're, the contention, they're going, hey, we are Abraham's children. Uh, we're the ones who are right with God. Don't put us in that class over there. And we don't even know why these people are coming to you to be baptized. They're already right with God and us more especially. But really, when, but under God's direction, so John's doing what God had called him to do, and under God's direction, John the Baptist took baptism and applied it to all of humanity, including the Jews, who needed what Jesus was going to bring as much as the Gentiles did, which we learn there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Then he goes on to say, he said, um, now listen, I'm baptizing you with water. In Matthew chapter 3, a little further it says, I baptize you with water to repentance. I'm baptizing you so that you can be in a place 
to receive what God has offering you so that you can be put in a place to receive Messiah. In other words, if you think about it, John is saying, y'all aren't right. They didn't like that at all. Jesus didn't. Same way with Jesus. What all that he said to him, I'll just put it this way. He's going, y'all, y'all not right. You're not right with God. And so this was just something that would have irritated him. And so this John's baptism was just symbolic representation of this change of their heart and mind in a, in a new direction. The confessing of the sins and being baptized demonstrated the recognition of their sin, which the religious leaders did not do, and a desire for cleansing, which the religious leaders didn't think they needed, and a commitment to follow God's law, which they said they were already doing. And this whole thing was just a light shining that that was not the case. And so basically John says, look, I'm here to do that. I'm here to lead you to this place. I'm here to point to you the direction you need to be pointed to the one you need to be pointed to. So verse 26 then goes on to say, John said, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance. I'm preparing you. But what you need to understand is that I am not the one you need to see. Because he goes on to say, there is one that is standing among you. And this one that is standing among you, you do not know. This one that's standing among you that you do not know, the strap is the one whose straps I'm not worthy to untie. Something I noticed as I was just pondering through this in this exchange is that John did not explain his authority to baptize. Hey, John just simply says, hey, what I'm doing, I've been called to do. What I've been called to do is to prepare a way for not just Jews, but for Gentiles. He's going on to this... this um, uh, saying what I'm doing is I'm just preparing a way. I'm preparing a way for one that is coming after me. The one that's coming after me that you do not know. I'm pointing to him. Now, let's just drop back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, because I think there's something to see in this. I might have brought it up. I don't recall. But in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, now, again, so the, what, what, what was the responsibility for a bar mitzvah with a Jewish kid? He had to know the whole law, right? There was such an, in, such an intenseness about to the Jews that they knew God's law. They knew the law and the prophets. So all of what John is saying to them, they knew all that. It just it, They were having a hard time grabbing a hold of it. So when you go back to Malachi chapter 3 where he says, I'm going to send my messenger who will prepare way before me, that's John the Baptist. But notice what it goes on to say. I'm going to prepare a way. I will send my messenger who prepared a way before me. Then, so I'm going to send this one to prepare a way for me. And then, suddenly, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty, which is Jesus. 
They knew this, and John's basically just reiterating, and he's going, who are you? And he goes, well, let me just put it in words that you really can understand, and he quoted Isaiah the prophet. And in their heads, when he said, I'm the one calling in the wilderness, I'm that messenger, they already had all this. They, they knew these things. And so he says, that one that you don't know, he's so much greater than I am. The straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. I don't even consider myself to be his servant. This is where, remember when he basically says, I, I, I'm, just here to, I'm here, just here to do what he wants me to do. And remember, I think it's a little bit later, he, he's talking to the people and he's saying this, he goes, uh, that kind of ties here is that I, he must increase and I must decrease. And this whole idea with John coming to testify made comment that the whole point of his coming was just to do that, to point out ahead. It wasn't that they were to look for John. John was just a testimony. John was just a sign of God beginning to do what God said he would do. And so we look at John's life and we look at what he has, the life that he lived and how God promised what he would live. And it would be just to testify concerning Jesus. All right. So I had this thought about, you know, you look at John the Baptist's life, and we're not really looking at it fully, but just through these few verses, uh, on Friday we were kicking it around a bit and had, had the question, you know, we, some, some time ago we were talking, uh, I brought up, uh, who is a biblical character in your life that you relate to, that God speaks to you through? What do you see in their life and how does it relate to your life? And then I got to thinking today, I thought, what can we learn from the life of John the Baptist? Just in this short little excerpt, you know, what can we learn from the life of John the Baptist? Does anything from his life apply to ours? Is there, are there any similarities? Is there anything that we should be seeing from that? Not just of what he would call to do, but how does that reflect in our life? Does it relate to our life in any way? Anybody got any thoughts about that? Suzanne? Thanks, Aiden. So I think sometimes we... Um want to have things known and to get acknowledgement that it had an effect and that we were the one that was noticed for it. I think so. Okay. Um, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. You know, sometimes, um, at least in my work as nursing, I'll have people that say something like, oh, I remember three years ago when we talked about whatever. And it kind of blows me away that sometimes those seeds that we plant or, or things that we do, we're not the primary character getting acknowledged, but we're supporting so much more of okay. his kingdom. All right. Somebody else? Anybody else? Thoughts? Uh, Levi? Uh, the way I look at it, the life of John the Baptist is just the life, well, it should be a depiction of the life of any average Christian. Just a regular dude going about his business and everything he says and does points to Jesus. Or do that. Or do that, of course. Anybody else? Thoughts? All right. All right. So, 
Again, heavenly testimony now begins, earthly testimony, the earthly testimony begins with John, just where God started, laying it all out. Here's how all that started here on earth. Here's how the testimony went forward concerning Jesus come in the flesh. And so verse 28 then, let me just, I'm just going to finish up these pretty quickly. So verse 28 says, then all, he, it says, then all of this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So verse 29 says, well, then the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So there are three days that we're going to look at between this week and next week. So the first day when the religious leaders come, the next day when Jesus comes to John, and then the next day after that where John's disciples follow Jesus. There's this kind of this transition going on. So he says, look, the Lamb of God. And to my, in my mind, you know, lamb, when you think of the idea as an expression that makes just kind of a general allusion to sacrifice in, in the Jewish uh, representation, but here we understand that really meant more that it was Christ and he was a great sacrifice to sin who would come and make an atonement for our transgressions, right, upon the cross. And then verse 30 says, now this is the one I meant. So the day before... He's going, hey, there's going to be one that's coming, one that we don't know. He's greater than I am, so much greater than I am. Jesus comes the next day, he goes, this is him right there. This is him, and he is the Lamb of God, which is going to take away the sins of the world, right? And he says this, uh, this is what I meant when I said, a man who comes before me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 31 says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So even John acknowledged before that moment that he didn't know who the Messiah was. He didn't know it was Jesus. He just knew, we really need to apply this to our personal lives. He just knew that God nudged him to do something. He knew that God told him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out into the desert. Okay, now think about this. I want you to go where nobody's at. I, just, I, just, I want you to go there. And I want you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to preach. I want you to begin to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when people come and people repent, I want you to baptize them in water. That's what I want you to do. And John acknowledges there. He says, I myself didn't know him. And the reason I'm here doing this is because I understand that he will reveal Messiah through this. So John knew that by him just being obedient, God was going to do what God was going to do. God was going to move forward with his plans and his purposes through what John was doing. And so we see John as a forerunner of Jesus anticipating that God would reveal Messiah through him or to him. And then verse 32 says, Well, then John gave this testimony about Jesus. 
because we know from the other accounts when Jesus came to be baptized, John's going, whoa, who am I to baptize you? And, and Jesus is basically saying, you just need to do what you're supposed to be doing here. When that all happened, what happened? It says the Spirit of God came upon him like a dove, and John realized that he was Messiah fully. And so it says, then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then John just ends up by saying, I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. And so as we move into next week and we just get to see this continue to unfold, we see as John comes on the scene and it's kind of big, but as John comes on the scene and it's big, as soon as Jesus becomes to gets to come on the scene, we see Jesus' influence grow and John's influence diminish. And John is going, that's what really what needs to happen. And we kind of alluded to it in, in our own personal lives. What needs to take place in our life is Jesus needs to be seen in our life. Jesus needs to be seen through our life. It's not about us. But earlier... Uh, Bob said, hey, pastor, and I'll go, wait, you like to be called Tracy? And I said, yeah, I like to be called Tracy, because it's not about all that. It's about Jesus. Our life is about him. So hopefully we can just kind of keep the focus very clear. Just like John, we've been called. God has given us something to do. We're to be lights to the world around us. It's not about us. What we're here to be doing is continually pointing people to Jesus. Amen? All right, well, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. You are a God that is more than enough in our life. You're a God that, think about that, you're a God that is sufficient. So we don't need all the other stuff because we have everything that we are going to need. So, Father, just remind us of that. And Father, as we are going out into the world this week, the challenge for our day of fasting is really just to act justly, love mercy, to walk humbly. I pray that that would just continue to emanate out of our lives so people can see the Jesus in us. In Jesus' name.